All right, let's grab our Bibles this morning. If you would, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Never guess where we're going to be at in Galatians chapter number 5. Where we're going to continue our sermon series here on the fruit of the Spirit. Been going after for, for a little bit now. But uh, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 16. Last time we got to go over, over peace and why we don't have it oftentimes. This morning we're going to be looking at long-suffering, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Amen. So I don't know about you, but whenever I think about fruit of the Spirit, I, I, I start thinking about fruit. You know, fruit of the Spirit, fruit. I, I like some fruit. I mean, I'm not a real big fan on, on fruit. I don't eat a ton of it, but I, there's some fruit I really enjoy. Whenever I, oh, y'all are starting the sugar-free thing this week, aren't you? Whenever I, I lose my mind and I go sugar-free for a little while, I'll sweet-talk Jessica into making me this, this weird pureed kind of dessert thing that doesn't have any sugar, but it still tastes really good, and I'll have her throw some strawberries in there. I like strawberries a lot. Those, those are probably the best fruit. But I also like, you know, grapes and apples if they have enough caramel on them and uh, bananas. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think caramel's a fruit, too. You know, it's a fruit enhancer anyway. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of... I, I could deal with cantaloupe or... or uh, uh, Honeydew or, or watermelon, I don't know. If, uh, anyway, I, I like some of those fruit, but there's, there's some fruit I just, I've got no use for. Pineapples, one of them fruits. I, I've got no use for pineapples. They're, they're, they're worthless. They, they have the texture of wet wicker and fiberglass. I, I, I'm a texture eater, and I, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that stuff. I think there's a reason that God didn't put that thing on a t- tall tree so people could see it. He hides it in a bush. They just grow in a bush kind of deal. And he wraps it in a rhinoceros skin with, like, little thorn pricky things on it. And even the leaves tell you, don't touch, don't touch. But, I mean, people still pick them, and people still eat them. And that's the thing is if you threaten to put one of those on my pizza, there's going to be a fight. Okay? Pineapple has no place in pizza. And it's, that's, that's just... That's just a fruit that God provides, and I'm sure it has some use, but it's not highly desired. I think that's what long-suffering is whenever it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God gives us, and it's, it's very little desired. Whenever people come to the Lord and people start praying about fruit of the Spirit, they'll pray for things like love. Lord, help me to love this individual. They're very difficult to love. Lord, please help me to love them. They'll pray for peace. Lord, I'm, I'm riled up. Lord, please give me peace. They'll pray for joy. They'll pray for goodness. They'll pray for, Lord, increase my faith. They'll pray for all these different fruit of the Spirit, saying, Lord, I want this fruit. Lord, I want this fruit. Lord, I want this fruit. And it comes to long-suffering, and we go, eh, pineapples. 
you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really care for that fruit. Lord, I know you made it. I know there's a purpose for it. But, Lord, I don't particularly care for long-suffering. It's, it's an often neglected fruit of the Spirit, and we have that attitude of, yeah, God made it, but we don't necessarily want it. Well, let me tell you now, there, there's a reason that long-suffering is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's, there's great benefit to it. Even though you have, to, you have to search a little bit, you might have to try different recipes, if you will, but there's, there's a great reason that long-suffering is something that the Holy Spirit enables you to have and something that you can have and be if you partake and indulge in this fruit of the Spirit of long-suffering. So before we, we get too far on it, let's go ahead. I don't, we won't be back here in Galatians, but turn to Exodus chapter 34 because I want us to get a good biblical understanding of what long-suffering is. Because we talk about it, long-suffering, that word is only found 17 times in the Bible. I don't think we're going to hit every one of them, but we've got plenty of places to turn to. First, let's look at the Bible definition of what long-suffering is. Okay, now the context here in Exodus chapter 34 is God giving Moses uh, the two tablets a second time. Remember, he, he, he's the only man in the, in the Bible that broke all Ten Commandments at once. He threw them down on the ground and they just shattered everywhere. And he just, he, he was a horrible day. <laughs> you know, I've had days like that. But anyway, he, he broke those and God's uh, told him, okay, hew the tablets again and we'll, we'll, I'll write them for you down again. Exodus chapter 34, verse number 5, the Lord's appearing to Moses to give him this again. Exodus 34, verse 5, the Bible says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. All three of those. Iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. You see how he's forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but he's not clearing the guilty? That's interesting. We'll talk about it more. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. So we, we have here a, a bunch of wonderful words associated with long-suffering that's going to give us a good understanding of what it means. This is the first mention of long-suffering in your Bible, just in case you wanted to know that. But in verse 6, we see, some, see these words uh, associated with long-suffering. After he, he, uh, the Lord passes by the, before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering abundant in goodness and truth. So we have merciful, gracious, goodness associated there with being long-suffering. Verse 7, we see these words. We see mercy. We see forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And we see that he's not clearing the guilty. Okay, these are all associated with long-suffering. I mean, it, the first couple mentions, we'll, we'll see it here, it's associated with being merciful and being gracious and forgiving. So God is long-suffering because he shows mercy, grace, and goodness to people who have committed iniquity, transgression, and sin against him. 
That, that's how we know God is long-suffering because he doesn't instantly punish everybody that sins against him. He shows them mercy. He shows them forgiveness. He, he shows them goodness. He shows them grace. But notice also that God does not forgive and forget their trespasses, but he endures them for a long time. Okay? He, do, he doesn't say, okay, listen, I forgive you, therefore there's no offense, there's no punishment, there's no, no retribution. That's not what it says. He said he forgave them, and he's just not giving them that punishment that they deserve right now. That's, that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is considering and treating someone as though they're not guilty. That's what forgiveness is. You consider someone not guilty and you treat them like they're not guilty. That's what forgiveness is. That is not the same as pardoning and justifying someone and finding them not guilty. Okay? We, we can be forgiven of our sins and treated like we are not guilty. We had to be pardoned by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We had to be justified by Jesus Christ. Justified is being proclaimed and found innocent. Okay? You can forgive someone and not find them to be innocent. You forgive them because you treat them like they're not an offender. Okay? But they have to be justified. They have to be pardoned to be found innocent and proclaimed innocent. Okay? So don't think that just because you forgave somebody, that makes them innocent. No, no, no. There's still retribution. There's still vengeance. But you are not the one that's supposed to be implying that retribution and vengeance on them. Okay? Turn to Numbers chapter 14. We're still trying to get a good, rounded definition here of what the Bible says long-suffering is. Numbers chapter 14. Because if you want to know how to use that fruit, you've got to understand a little bit about that fruit. Okay? And maybe that's why I don't like pineapple is because I don't understand how to make it taste good. But I, I think it might have been one of the fruits. Y'all remember Five Alive? Any of y'all have Five Alive? Was, was pineapple one of the juices in there? My grandma used to have that, that concentrate stuff. Put it in there, fill up the pitcher of water, and you that, that Five Alive concentrate in there and mix it all up. And you drink that, and it was, it was really good. Maybe that's a use for pineapple if it's one of those, those fives that were alive's. But uh, anyway, Exodus, or I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 18. Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering. Praise God, I'm glad he is. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. There's mercy showing up again. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. There's the forgiveness again. And look at this though. And by no means clearing the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. God says, okay, listen, I'm long-suffering. I can deal with that. Because again, we see mercy. We see forgiving iniquity and transgression, uh, transgression, but still not clearing the guilty. Their sins and their transgressions have a punishment, and they will pay a price for it. Okay? It's cause and effect. You do this, you get that. You... <laughs> You do the crime, you do the time, okay? Their sins and their transgressions have a punishment. They will pay the price for it. But being long-suffering is not exacting revenge or retribution towards someone that deserves it. But long-suffering is putting up with that offender presently, knowing that God will exact 
revenge later. Okay, you're not saying, okay, they're, they're never going to get punishment. That's not what long-suffering is. Long-suffering is, I'm going to endure their sin, their trespasses. I'm going to endure their offense towards me, knowing that at some point in time, God will deal with them about the offense. God's going to get vengeance as mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay, God will deal with them later about their offense towards me. I'm to be long-suffering and deal with their offensiveness, knowing that God's going to deal with them later. Okay, I'm going to show them mercy, and I'm going to forgive them. That's part of being long-suffering. Okay? Uh, Psalm chapter 86, verse 15 says this. You don't have to turn there. Psalms 86, 15. But thou, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. No doubt about it, God is long-suffering. And any Christian who is long-suffering is exhibiting a godly trait. The world is not long-suffering. They say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? You, they, they might be long-suffering enough to withstand one offense, but they're not long-suffering enough to withstand two offenses. Okay? They're, they're short-suffering. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. So now we've got kind of a good Bible definition of what long-suffering is. Let's, let's look at the premier application of long-suffering and why we should be so glad that God has it and why we should desire to have it in our lives. Primary application of long-suffering, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is long-suffering. Why? He knows that they deserve death. He, he knows that they deserve hell. He knew that we deserved hell before we got saved. He was long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Look at verse 14 in the same chapter. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Whenever Jesus Christ comes back. Verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our brother Paul, uh, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. The Bible says, the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You realize the only reason that any of us are saved here today is because God is long-suffering? Let me ask you this. How many sins did you commit before you got saved? <laughs> Every single sin that is committed is an offense towards God. It's, it's against God. Every time it's blasphemy to him. Every time it's, it's an abomination and it's an offense. It's spitting in God's face every time that we sin. And yet from the day that we're born until the day that we save, we get saved, we are committing sins that are going against God. And every time after every sin, that sin is worthy to put us into hell. That vengeance, that retribution that we deserve is going to hell for that sin. 
And yet every time that we sin, God looks at it and he goes, not today. I, I can deal with it. And then we sin again. Same thing. You ever have some stronghold sins in your life and you commit the same sin over and over and over and over and over? And every time God's like, okay, yeah, there's, there's, there's vengeance. There's, there's a price to pay for that sin, but it's not going to be today. And God will sit there and allow you to sin day after day, year after year after year, and it, to, up to whenever you got saved. Some of us that was uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. Some of us 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. We can go over there to the nursing home and we can witness to them. And, and God will sit there and still work on them. God will still save them after 80 years of sinning because God is so long-suffering. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He doesn't want anybody to die, so time, he doesn't want them to die and go to hell. So time and time and time again, offense after offense, transgression after transgression, sin after sin, blight after blight, he's, he's always long-suffering towards us. He, he doesn't want us to die and go to hell. Long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. You realize God had every right to kill you and send you straight to hell with every sin that you committed. But he did not clear and he did not clear you of that guilt until you got saved. Every person who has ever gotten saved got saved because God put up with them sinning for a long time and he did not destroy them. Long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse number 20. 1 Peter three twenty, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. You know what happened? Noah preached for 120 years before the flood came that, listen, you guys, everybody's wicked. This is a horrible place. You guys need to turn to God. You guys need to get right. For 120 years, Noah's out there preaching. The wrath of God has a set date. It's going to come with the rain, okay? That judgment that they all deserved was going to happen on that day. God said, I am so long-suffering that for 120 years, I'm going to allow all these people to have this opportunity to repent and come back to me. All of them. He's suffering for 120 years. God's dealing with things that he describes, the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. As Genesis 6, 5 God's dealing with such an offense that everything they think, everything they're doing is sin. They're that wicked. And God says, I'm going to put up with that for 120 years. And then the wrath is coming. And I'm going to send this preacher, Noah, to come and tell him, get right, because the wrath of God's coming. The rain's going to come. God held back his righteous judgment from a wicked world for 120 years in hopes that somebody would get saved. Eight people did. Noah, Mrs. Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their, their wives. Eight, eight people. 120 years of preaching, eight people. Praise God for the time. Those other people had the time. They just didn't take advantage of it. Thank God that he is long-suffering. 
Why is it that we appreciate God's long-suffering so much, yet we are so unwilling to be long-suffering? Have you ever noticed that? I, I really appreciate God being long-suffering. I'm really glad that he put up with me as long as he did. I'm so glad that he's so quick to forgive me if I just come and tell, talk to him about it. I'm glad that he, he puts up with sin for days, weeks, months, years, decades, and he's still so very long-suffering. I really appreciate that about the Lord. But I'm not very long-suffering. And, and I, I don't know how long-suffering you are. Uh, I'll just speak for myself. I am short-suffering. I'm, I'm long complaining. I'm very short suffering. You know what's interesting? <laughs> I, I, I have to endure quite a long week before preaching on certain things that I'm pretty guilty of. I, 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 lock, I lack long suffering, so the Lord lets me have the week that I had so I can get some good sermon illustrations for it <laughs> as we go through. But I, I had a point in time this week where God was just kind of showing me my short-suffering. Because I'd go through something that was very small, something very insignificant, and I'd throw a major pity party for myself about it and everything. Something that is, is not even really suffering. It was uh, not, not getting my way. And so I'd throw a pity party and let it ruin my day and everything. And... Uh, and it's like the Lord would then bring up about this topic of long-suffering and goes, oh, are you suffering? Oh, that's, that's, that's horrible. That, that's just horrible. You, 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 you suffered that? You, you didn't get your way? Oh, that, that must be bad. You know, and I'd sit there and I'd, I'd pout. Yeah, Lord, it's, it's bad. I'm, he's like, you being long-suffering? I'd be like, it's kind of suffering. <laughs> I've got a preference, and it's not, I'm not being preferred. He goes, oh, that's suffering? No, Lord, that's not very much suffering. Did you suffer long about that? It's been bugging me for hours. That's, that's, that's not very long suffering. And you know what? Uh, I wake up the next morning, and uh, I start praying on the way up to work. And I start, and I go, Lord, I'm sorry. My heart's not right. Lord, I'm sorry, I'm throwing myself a pity party. Lord, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not really suffering, but I act like I'm suffering. And Lord, I'm sorry, I, I make it seem like it's long suffering and it's, it's very short. And I had to ask the Lord to help, help me get my heart right with him. And you know what happened when I did that? I, I quit suffering. <laughs> Even the little suffering, it, it ceased to bother me. It's a lot easier to get over it whenever you just go to the Lord and saying, Lord, my heart's not right. Do you realize that in order for us to reach more people for Jesus Christ, we have to be more long-suffering? We're so focused on ourselves and the little things that we think is really suffering when it's really not. All our focus goes on that and all our time and attention goes on me. I'm not getting my way. Things aren't going the way I want them to go. I, I would prefer some things to be different and I'm not getting that. And all our attention's on us. And we're focused on our own long suffering that's really short suffering. But we read verses like we did in, in 1 Peter or 2 Peter 3.15 that says the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Do you realize we're not reaching people for Jesus Christ because we're not long suffering? I mentioned something on Wednesday night. It's kind of just a, a theme that the Lord's put in my, my head for this year. I want to 
I mentioned it then, I said, reach more in 24. Uh, I, I want to reach more people for Jesus Christ. I want to hand out more gospel tracts than I ever handed out. I want to have more personal communication with people about their salvation more this year than ever before. And you know what I realized? I cannot reach people without being long-suffering. I can't. You can't either. You can't win anybody to Christ when you're complaining about your own suffering. You can't because you're too busy. Well, I'm, I'm busy. I'm focused on me. Doesn't matter that they're going to hell. Doesn't matter how close to hell they are. Doesn't matter how far away from God they are. I'm busy on me because I didn't get my way. You can't win anybody to Christ when you're complaining about your own long suffering or your own suffering. You can't win anybody to Christ when you give up on them quickly because they're a sinner. How many times has this happened? Lord, I want to see them get saved, so I'm going to pray for them. And you pray for them for a couple weeks and you realize they're just as wicked as a sinner as they've always been, and you go, I'm not seeing any results. Oh, well, let me try another. Well, what happened? You suffered for two weeks, long-suffering in prayer for two weeks for that individual, and then you gave up? What about a month or a couple of months? It's just, we, we give up. The reason we don't see results when we witness to people is because we don't suffer long about it. We, we give up easy and quickly on it. Too often we pray for somebody, witness uh, to them for a short time, then give up after a couple weeks because they don't get saved. Where's the long suffering? You know what the Bible tells us to do? 2 Timothy 4.2, you know the verse, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. What good does it do to preach the word be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort if we don't have the long-suffering. Hey, can I give you a gospel track? Okay, I'm done. Where's the long-suffering? I, I see the preaching. I see the reprove, the rebuke, and the exhortation. Where's the long-suffering? Where's the checking back with them and be like, hey, hey, did you read that thing I gave you? Hey, can I, can I talk to you about Jesus Christ? Hey, can I, can I give you another track? Where, where's the long-suffering? With all long-suffering and doctrine. That's how we're told to preach the word. Do you realize we are promised some results from God when it comes to witnessing, but we don't see the promise fulfilled because we give up too early? How about Psalms 126, 5 and 6? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalms 126, 5 and 6. That was it. The Bible says, if you sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. If you go forth weeping, bearish, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. God says, listen, you go out and you sow that seed, and you just keep at it, you keep going, you keep with it, you just keep trying, you just keep praying, you keep talking to them, you don't burn them bridges, you just long-suffering, dealing, dealing with their sins, dealing with their transgression, dealing with their iniquities, I've got to get them the gospel, I've got to give them the gospel, I've got to give them the gospel. Just keep preaching, just keep sowing, just keep praying. And you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And God says, you shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with them. Sister Reed, I'm going to put you on the spot. How long were you praying for Kevin before he got saved? Very 20, 30 years? Yeah, 30 Probably something years. like that? 30 years. You know what that is? Long suffering. Long suffering. 
You can pray for him for 30 years before he gets saved. But you know, you know why he got saved? Long-suffering. He never gave up. Keep praying. There's too many people in our lives that we know that we simply don't care enough about because we're not willing to long-suffer in something as convenient as prayer to be able to see them get saved. If God has shown you long-suffering in letting you get saved, you should, uh, shouldn't we show the same long-suffering when it comes to others getting saved? I mean, look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse number 15. Look what he says here. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. Praise God. He saved me. Verse 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy. I'm the chiefest of sinners, but I obtained mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Why? For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You know what Paul's saying there? I was a huge transgressor. I was a huge sinner. I was the chiefest of sinners. But Jesus Christ saved me because he was so long-suffering. And if he was long-suffering enough to deal with me, with all the sin that I committed, how much more should I be willing to be long-suffering to everybody else that sins against me? And that what he said? Verse 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. So now we know what long-suffering is. We, we appreciate God's long-suffering towards us. We realize that if we follow that same pattern, if we follow his example, we should be long-suffering to other people in the hopes that they get saved. We're going to have to, you're going to have to put up with some stuff to see people get saved. Okay? The first time an offense comes, you turn and run, that person, you're never going to lead them to the Lord. You're going to have to endure their language. You're going to have to endure their dress, if you can be around that situation. You're going to have to endure their culture. You're going to have to endure their mannerisms. You're going to have to endure their mouth. You're going to have to endure a lot of things. You're going to have to suffer long to just continually get the gospel to this individual. You're just going to have to deal with a whole lot of junk that you don't want to deal with if you want to reach this person. You're going to have to show that long suffering just like God showed it to you for you to get saved. You're going to have to show it to them if you want to lead them to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at God's expectation for the Christian's long-suffering. He, he expects you to be long-suffering. Let's see what the Bible says about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 6, 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That, that's an important statement there that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee uh, in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything 
to, that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watching, in fasting. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, that's where you get that long-suffering, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, uh, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Here Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. He's not writing to a pastor. He's writing to a church. They have received the grace of God. They've, they've got salvation. And Paul's Paul hopes that God did not give them that grace in vain. We see that in verse 1. right? Also that you received not the grace of God in vain. I hope God didn't waste his time saving me. He says that they are ministers. These church members, he says they're ministers, verse 4. But in all things approving ourselves, our, us, all you guys, church, ourselves as the ministers of God. Okay, so you realize you're a minister of God? That's what the Bible says. It says they are ministers and that they could hurt the ministry of that church. You see that in verse 3? Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. You're a minister of Jesus Christ. You're to go out and talk to other people about Jesus. You minister to them on Jesus' behalf because you're trying to reach them for him. Okay, we have a ministry here. Grace Baptist Church is our ministry. It's our home base that we go out and we try to minister to the community. We try to tell them about Jesus Christ. Okay, we want to see them get saved. We want them to come to church. We want them to grow. We want all these things. Paul says that if you want to show appreciation for the grace that God has given you and help the ministry, you must endure the things he talks about in verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much, much patience. You're going to have to have patience to, to be a good minister. In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. There's the things that you're going to have to endure if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. You have to endure those things. You say, how in the world am I supposed to do that? He, he tells us how. Verse 6 says this, By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the word of the truth, by the power of God. These are, much, these are things that are much bigger than the afflictions and the problems that are mentioned in verse 4 and 5. So we, we get long-suffering, we have knowledge, we get uh, Holy Ghost, we have love unfeigned, uh, word of the truth, by the power of God, by the armor of the righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor, verse nine or verse 8, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Okay, that, that's how we can be good ministers 
and do what God wants us to do here. Even if it costs you the things mentioned in verse 9 and 10. As unknown. Nobody appreciates it. Nobody cares what I'm doing. And yet well known. God knows. As dying. And yet behold we live. As chastened. They're going to hate you. And not killed. They can't kill you. As sorrowful. Yet always rejoicing. As poor. Yet making many rich. As having nothing. And yet possessing all things. See, being long-suffering shows God that you appreciate the grace that he's given you. And he's given us the tools to be long-suffering and the tools to reach these other people, but we don't want to use the tools. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. God expects Christians to be long-suffering. He said, I was so long-suffering towards you, now I expect you to be able to put up with some of the junk that comes from other people for my sake. Can you, can you just be a minister of me because I did so much for you? Can you just deal with a little bit of their problems, a little bit of their drama, a little bit of their vulgarity, a little bit of their lostness in an attempt to try to reach them for me? Can I, can I count on you for that? That's what he's saying. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. Ephesians 4, 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. Isn't it interesting? 2 Corinthians 6 says that he doesn't, he hopes that God didn't waste his grace on you or on me, right? He said, uh, he didn't give him the grace in vain. And here in Ephesians 4, it says, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you're called. You're a Christian, that's your job. You're a soul winner, that's your job. He says, I hope you, work, I hope you walk worthy of that job. Verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So now, now we're not forbearing the lost, now we're forbearing one another. Now we're being long-suffering towards other believers. Why is that? Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we, we want to appreciate the grace that God's given us, but now we're trying to walk worthy of the vocation wherein we are called. And th here we have a Bible command for us Christians to be long-suffering towards other believers. Do you realize that means even if they're annoying? Even if they're smelly, <laughs> even if they're spiritually immature, even if they're still fighting a lot of sin, even if they're doctrinally inaccurate, even if they're very offensive, we're to be long-suffering towards the brethren. That, that doesn't mean we condone their sin. That just means we act like they're not that kind of sinner. We act like they're not annoying. We act like they're not smelly. We, we, we're just acting like we forgive them, because you should. I find it interesting that the Bible says that we're, we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, verse 3, and, that you, and by doing that, you're walking worthy of the vocation wherein you're called, verse 1. Part of your job description of being a Christian is to be long-suffering with other Christians. That's, that's part of our vocation. 
That's part of our job description. God says, okay, listen, I saved you by being long-suffering towards you. Now I expect you to be long-suffering towards the lost in order to reach them for me. And I want you to be long-suffering towards one another because I want unity in the body. I want unity in the spirit. Colossians chapter number 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter number 1. You know, I think it's right for God to have expectations for us. I mean, it, it just makes sense. He didn't just save us and say, okay, now you've got a free pass, do whatever you want, live however you want, and I'll give you a bunch of stuff when you get to heaven. <laughs> that's not in the Bible. It might be on the TV, but that's not on the Bible. You, you hire somebody, you expect to have expectations from them. You expect them to show up on time. You expect them to be dressed appropriately. You expect them to put forth an effort. You expect them to be productive. Okay, these are reasonable expectations. God says, okay, you're a Christian. Let me tell you about your vocation. Be long-suffering towards each other. What? (laughs) That's not part of my job description. It absolutely is. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9. For this cause we also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. So we need to be worthy of our vocation. We need to appreciate the grace that God's given us. Now the Bible's saying to walk worthy of the Lord. That sounds like a big, in-depth, in-detailed job description there. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, it's his power, it's not yours, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness oh boy now it's even harder now now we're supposed to be long-suffering with joyfulness the bible just said there that if you want your walk to be worthy of the lord and pleasing to him you need to be fruitful bearing fruit of the spirit right and show some result that you need to be fruitful in your work increase in his knowledge strengthened by his might and his power And that will lead to you being patient and long-suffering with joyfulness. You realize long-suffering is a sign of spiritual maturity that God expects you to get as you grow in your relationship with him? He he expects us to be long-suffering. It's that expectation. Not once you get saved, it's something that you, you grow into. It's something, because whenever we first get saved, we pray for the other fruit of the Spirit. And we say, God, just, just give me joy. I want some joy. I, I want some peace. Lord, give me some peace. Lord, give me more love. I, I, I like love. Give me more love. It's whenever you start growing that you start saying, you know what, Lord? I, I need some long-suffering. You know what, Lord? These, these lost people, they're, they're really starting to get after me. They're, they're really starting to get to me. I'm losing my cool. I'm losing my patience. Lord, I'm not forgiving. I, I show them no mercy. Lord, I, I don't have a heart. I don't care for them. Lord, I, I need some long-suffering. Then I come to church, Lord, and I, I don't have any long-suffering. Lord, this person done that, and they say they're a Christian. I doubt if they're even saved. That's the first thing we do is we doubt someone's salvation because they offended me. You offended them too. Doesn't mean you're lost. 
We get to church and we start refusing to be long-suffering towards each other. You know why? Because we're spiritually immature. The reason you don't have long-suffering is because you don't want to pray to God to give it to you. You have not because you ask not. You realize it's available to you through the Holy Spirit that lives within you. God's made it available. God's made it convenient. God's set it on a table, presented it to you, said, here you go. Why don't you take it? It's a good fruit. Why don't you just enjoy it? It's right here. I gave it to you. I showed it to you. You're the benefactor of it. Why don't you enjoy this fruit? And you say, I don't want it. Uh, Lord, can I get some of the tastier fruit? I, I, want some, I want some strawberries now. Lord, don't give me the pineapple. He goes, you need the pineapple. I gave it to you. But it's hard. Yeah. But it's good for you. I made it and I gave it to you. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Look at this one. Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.12. Why don't we have long-suffering in our life? Why do I lack in long-suffering? Colossians 3.12. The Bible says, put on therefore. Who's putting it on? You're putting it on yourself. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, Meekness, long-suffering. Forbearing one another, there's the brethren, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know why we lack long-suffering? It's because we don't have the kindness, we don't have the humbleness of mind, we don't have the meekness. We're not willing to forbear one another. We're not willing to forgive one another. And we don't forgive others as Christ forgave us. That's, that's why we don't have long-suffering. The Bible tells us to put it on, verse 12. It's available. It's ready. It fits you. We're just supposed to put it on. You have to choose to put on long-suffering. Hopefully now you understand how to do that. You treat others the way that God treated you before you got saved. You forgive their trespasses against you and realize that their punishment for that sin is coming. That, that lost person that you think is so wicked and so horrible, they, they will end up in hell. That punishment is coming. But that punishment is not going to be dished out by you. You're supposed to endure them. You're supposed to be long-suffering towards them. You need to deal with it for years, praying regularly that God will be long-suffering towards them so that they might get saved if they're lost or that they get right with God if they're saved. We don't enjoy the fruit of long-suffering because we refuse to take it. So I, want, I want nothing of it. I'll, I'll, just, I'll focus on the sweet fruits and I, I'm going to leave that long-suffering. I'll leave that to somebody else. God says, I made it for you as a witnessing tool I made it for you as a way to have unity in the church. I made it for you as a way to have peace and joy and meekness in your life because I've showed you all these things, but you've hoarded them towards yourself. 
and you refuse to be long-suffering towards other people. How long-suffering are you? Are you short-suffering? Are you quick-tippered? Do you give up on people and say, nope, that's it, <laughs> that's it. They've offended me one too many times. They've done it too many times. And you know what that sounds like? Sounds like Peter in Matthew 18, in verse 21, when he says this, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Lord, I'll deal with it seven times. I'll, after that, off with their head. That, that's it. And you know what the Lord said, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Jesus wouldn't have told him to put up with it that much if he wasn't able to. Jesus Christ, through his power, through his Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to be long-suffering. And if you're not, it's because you don't want to put it on. I'd like to ask you to please stand.